Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Horse Heretics. I'm Neil. And I'm William. Today we'll be finishing off the last part of, what's this book called? Battle for the Abyss. Battle for the Abyss. First part, to recap, we quite liked. Like, yeah, no, we did like. Yeah. That's fair to say. We liked it, some problems with it, but on the whole, quite good. The point we left it at was Motep had gone in and he'd smitten some uh, warp-fueled entity that was also a ship and uh, he had used his witchery and shouldn't have survived but did and uh, he comes out all steaming with magic Bringar and Cestus all look on and are like mm, well that's mm, that's a bit much to believe <laughs> so to start straight away they're all having another meeting <laughs> they, they a classic scene all. from these books is yeah, a meeting. yeah lots of meetings like they literally call it a conference room so, <laughs> it's like all these space marines just looking at their outlook calendars <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly they've all put together a nice deck but they can't ignore the witchcraft they they t- ask motep to explain because he'd uh handily enough he'd sort of escorted them all out before he did his magic shit <laughs> yeah, just, and just like just go over here i'll sort this out <laughs> yeah don't yeah. worry about how i do it <laughs> leave it with me boys and he comes up with a lie that only a dickhead would believe like he said um a stray shot like hit a fuel line which ignited <laughs> loads of uh, people and he was blown clear and everyone else was dead now cestus only partially believes this. Bringar is not having that at all. Bringar's the one smart one in the whole thing. He says, your silver tongue is fat with lies, Bringar accused him, stepping forward. The air is thick with the stink of them. That is, well, that's the only piece of, like, strategy, tactics, or insight in this entire thing. Because the second half is just straight up bullshit. It's good, but um, they're all terrible space marines. There's a lot of silliness in this part of the book. This, I mean, by this whole entire half that we're discussing today, I mean, not just like this little bit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I take your point. Bringar, I mean, it's clearly a bullshit story, but Bringar is kind of stupid in the sense that at least Cestus is like, maybe we should just... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> make make uh, what we can of this ability that our friend here has and uh, help us get through through this situation. And Absolutely, to the point where he's like, "Oh, torture, cool." That comes. That's a bit later, but we'll we'll get yeah. to that. But that's not to do with Motep until he brings Motep in to do like psychic torture on him. But we'll get to that. Um, um, but but I mean, like Bringar and, and his attitude towards Motep, he's just like. I mean, obviously, they all don't like witchcraft, the whole Imperium, apparently, but um, apart from the loads of them that are secretly doing it and currently turning to chaos <laughs> as the story is yeah. going on. But the uh, but the space wheels are particularly get wound up about it, and he's like, Ugh! he's totally bristling all the time. And you could say that's not a smart move um, in the long run, but I guess that's just core to their thing. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Zadkiel is... He's, he's close to launching an attack on the ultramarines and i th- I think this is the first part because i don't think it was mentioned in the previous part balanos mentions isoric with mm. w-s-o-r-i-c the the w-s 
is giving me pause. I'm not quite I sure mean, how to pronounce that. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this is going to be a, a discussion on the podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wissoric. Yeah, that'll do. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I don't think that's been mentioned. And he, and he gets uh, he gets told off for, for using the name. He's like, Zadkiel's like, not in this place. Don't <laughs> mention that name. And um, so it's a bit early for that. But Isoric is clearly a demonic name. I've never yeah. heard something more demonic than that name. <laughs> no, a w before an s at the start of a name yeah exactly and uh, uh, zadkiel then just goes oh listen balanos i've got to speak to corferon who is that another uh, how, how did you pronounce that in your own head that, that's that's what you just said there was... corferon now i've never pronounced that out loud but he is one of the i think he's like the big um rival to erebus in in that legion yeah uh, i, I, I did bad sort ends, of recall but... his name from vaguely recalled his name being mentioned in previous books yeah so, so he's like he's a he's like the first captain or something of them so he's like the equivalent of the mornival yeah he, he's a, an abad uh, uh, abaddon yeah uh, and i think erebus is like the chief uh religious officer or whatever you know the <laughs> yeah. the, the the real heart and soul uh but corferon is like the the main captain the the chief meathead of the exactly <laughs> um cestus goes to the bridge and is told that the the abyss the furious abyss has a coolant leak yeah and they they divine from all of this that they're going to have to go in and make repairs this ship which is like has been built for the past couple of decades has been out of dock for a few days and is the biggest ship to have ever been created now it has a bit of a coolant link and needs to go into be repaired although maybe that is like really um believable actually i was going to say that can't be right but maybe it is it's just just like the the launching of the the new big thing always seems to be like Okay, and now it's launched. It needs to be repaired for the next six months as yeah. well. Yeah, it's probably it probably was massively over schedule as well, massively over budget. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the Edinburgh tram route of, uh, <laughs> of yeah. like uh, the thirty k world. Anyway, um, so they go to the Baku system for repairs, and um, Corferon meets with Zadkiel. And gives him a bit of grief about the need to have to stop and repair. And Zadkiel's all like, no, 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 it's they're, it, like they're proper legit repairs. Like there's bits falling off this ship. He, he's, he basically leaves him with a big threat and says, you need to be in the right place at the right time without giving any details. Uh, otherwise, uh, you're for the high jump, mate. Yeah, and you're going to you're gonna fuck up the big plan. The, the bigger plan. So he's only part of a section of the plan can i just make a quick point here about this stop off at baka triumvirate um, i didn't i well I, you might be the best one to take it because i couldn't uh, it took me well i was going to say it took me to the end of it to understand it but i i don't really understand it at all well this is a side point really and it's not just in this because i did notice there was enough of a concentration of it around this point for me to take a note out of it and it's the habit of putting like a pseudo Latin um at the end of words to make to make them a thing in these like oh, yeah. them like a new thing. Like the Bacca system was one of the most populated in the Segmentum, <laughs> certainly the largest core 
concentration of human life in this this close to the galactic core. I mean, that that gives you a nice sort of extra flavor there, anyway. But yeah. Oh come on! The 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 engine rooms are called the genitorium. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. I, of I've I've stopped mentioning those because they're too cringy. Okay. So, like, there is a, at back of Triumvirin, this moon planety thing. There is like a huge shipyard dock type thing yeah. that can handle a ship the size of uh, the Furious Abyss. <laughs> and I. Th- does it go first? I, I. It's not that I don't forget this. It's that I never understood it when I was reading it. Does it dock first, but almost at the same time, the Wrathful sends out three very quiet assault boats. It. Uh, it's docked and like getting fixed up at this like right space mechanic place. Um, and well, at this this. Dock. I can't remember. They probably did describe what Baka Room was actually all about, but it's um, it's like a, it's a big web of uh, docking ports and uh, causeways and this kind of thing that all link up. So you can, um, so the 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 plan, the brilliant plan, is to scupper the ship at close range by sending out like super quiet, super secret raiding parties, one led by Scrawl. Skrull, yeah. uh, one led by Bringar, and the other led by Antigues, but it's a it's a world eater, yeah. Group. I mean, this is it's only really later I realized like there's a whole bunch of Ultramarines that they just yeah. like they don't, <laughs> don't put their own like guys into this apart from like what the one. Uh, we, who who do we put with the the Bloodthirsters? Oh, maybe the most boring one of us. <laughs> <laughs> but um, can I? Uh, so this is a good point to bring up something about Scrawl. It was actually from a little bit earlier at the meeting, but it's. I mean, we know all about the world eaters, and this is just another. Just uh, it was a, a description that stood out to me, even though it's just describing the exact thing that we know about the world eaters as a whole, and this one in particular. So, so at this meeting, I can't. I don't know what point he was making. It says. Skrall was raging as he spoke, blood fever clouding his vision as the endless need for violence and slaughter clouded his vision. I mean, the repetition of clouded his vision should have been uh, edited out there, but as we know, these books are obviously produced at speed. But anyway, the real point <laughs> these, I wanted to make was... These books like, may be like short stories if any editing was applied to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But like, uh, I mean, what a way to live. But anyway, he... <laughs> He, um, <laughs> so their their plan is to secretly get into the big ship and mess secretly. It up. This is the key word <laughs> yeah. to, to this: is they have to be super secret because there's like there's like fifteen of them or something, yeah, and well, a, an enormous the biggest ship ever created as their enemy. They got to be quiet. They got to be secret. Yeah. Um, however, uh, so there's an interesting little aside here saying that the. Um, so we know about the the world eaters constantly, like the overkill, the literal overkill of the the world eaters. Certain seem to like enjoy killing beyond just to achieve their war aims or whatever. And um, that said that they had been censured by the emperor, um, and about the further use of uh, implants in that he believed oh, were that's right, yeah, causing them to you know go in these killing sprees basically. Um, and, but they'd ignored it, so that was just a little interesting aside. Um, and 
Anyway, they, they, so they've landed and then immediately, uh, they go, they're, they start this stealth mission by just slaughtering every civilian that they can, <laughs> uh, yeah. they can find like all the dock workers and stuff like that. They just to get themselves warmed up. It literally says like that, just to get themselves sort of tuned in for, um, violence. Uh, and that leads to them being found out. Yeah. Altis, uh, is leading the, the word bearers. He is, um smart enough and on it enough to see a huge <laughs> battle taking place. <laughs> <laughs> what else would you call that? He's like, what's and- wrong with this picture? <laughs> something going on down <laughs> <laughs> This doesn't seem as quiet as a deserted dockyard should be. Um, and uh, we should bring up the, the plan of the scuppering is grenades again. Like they've all brought a big string of grenades with them, uh, and they all plan to just grenade the shit. And if it worked the first time, why change a good plan? Yeah, that's what I say. And and they're very much of the same opinion. And that won't be the last time in this book that that plan is used. Absolutely not. No, that that comes up again. So everything just kicks off. The three groups are at different parts of this dock. And they're all assailed by different Space Marine groups themselves. And basically, it seems like a fairly easy victory. The The, the word bearers are kind of crushed. Yeah, because they, well, they, there's some, I think some Space Marines are kind of, sh- word bearer Space Marines are shooting at them from range. But they send out a bunch of, I can't remember what they call them, but they're basically like, standard human followers of the word bearers yeah they like they're they're literally called cannon fodder they're just like uh, your average human um (laughs) there's a really good line um (laughs) i really liked um skrull was fighting these normal humans and (laughs) limbs fell like rain as he churned (laughs) through his enemies (laughs) i didn't i didn't pick up on that one i had there's some real I was, I was, I did have other ones though, um, and I'm glad you've picked up a different one that was like, this is like, this is really the the art of the Black Library writer. This is the, this is their, where they, um, you know, this is one of their um, specialisms, and they um, have lines such as the one you've just said, or or described. So the the ship's crewmen were being bludgeoned to the ground or thrown through the air. The World Eater Squad painting every service with crescents of gore. Uh, it says Antigas took a moment to set himself such was the impact of the second charge from Skrull's world eaters then an entire paragraph on its own the captain of the 12th legion was butchering a man on the floor (laughs) well the wolf guard not to be outdone by the incompetence of everyone else are separately ambushed like (laughs) um, and their their plan is not to use grenades but melt the bombs sorry sorry, man very different I've just seen (laughs) Sometimes there's like wines in here that are like sound like they've just deliberately dead panders. Another one later on I'll mention, but this one didn't even pick up the first time. But wasn't that uh, well, right? I, I, okay? Go ahead. Sorry, Scrawl heaved a dying man off the floor and cut him in two at the waist with a slash of his chain axe. It got Antigas's attention. <laughs> <laughs> Over here, <laughs> he like clubs him around the head with a, a severed limb or something. There was a really weird line here. It's a uh, Bringar is they're all being attacked from like a, an upper causeway and they're like being shot from a, an, an elevated position. 
and T says, it's just a very strange line. He says, melt a bomb, snarled Bringar. One of those struts he pointed to the source of the platform's elevation. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> the source of the platform's elevation. Overwrought, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, I just thought that is, just that one phrase is, is overwritten to... To the point of nonsense. Very like. overwritten, yeah. I mean, uh, I think like the last Ben Counter book, we like, relatively speaking, we were like, oh, there's not too much of the sort of howlers in this. Yeah, it was kind of like transparent, his style. You know, it didn't get in the way. But there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, no, he, yeah. Maybe he, he read the ones that came after and said, okay, well. I'm not doing this I, right. <laughs> yeah, I, I see what everyone else is doing. I got to. <laughs> I got out of my game a bit. Man, this one was fuck. This one was brilliant as well, right? The the word the slightest punchlines these these paragraphs, right? The word bearer jer- jerked as he tried to wrench himself free of the churning blade that impaled him, but then it passed through his spine, and all he could do was vomit <laughs> a plume of blood. <laughs> Suddenly, it was real. <laughs> <laughs> It was the it was the vomiting blood <laughs> that really brought it home. It's not real. It's, it's not real until someone vomited a plume of blood. <laughs> yeah. And it was um, it was like he was trying to do something, but then all his attention was drawn to the fact that the chain blade choked through his spine. <laughs> oh God, Bring Bringar has a really sort of really gross captain on captain fight. Um, with Bilinos? No. Yes, yes, it is Bilinos. <laughs> yes, sorry. We we learn at this point that that Bringar has a gimmicked axe. Like it, <laughs> he swings it, misses, but he can press a button and a big like spearing spike comes out of it. <laughs> I don't even notice. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's well good. I always like a sort of hidden weapon within a weapon. <laughs> um. And basically, uh, just sort of clubs the shit out of this uh, this attack dog. I think he was called the, the terror weapon. Uh, Bringar basically sets on him and just fucking kills him. But means that they don't get to the ship. Uh, Antigues and Skrull, however, they actually make it aboard the ship. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> never want to innovate. Uh, they still they check to make sure that they all have loads of grenades, <laughs> 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 and then sort of launch some shit into uh, the engine rooms. Most of the people that they're with are like just killed instantly. They're not important. And uh, yeah, I mean this this will definitely come up again. But to this point, I was like, uh, this has already been a theme of the first half of the book. But at this point, I was really starting to think. Zadkiel has really made an arse of this mission. Like, yeah. Oh uh, god, yeah. Uh, I mean, somehow, well, well, he's already sort of slowed them down by fighting with with the Wrathful and the other ships from earlier, and now he's contrived to like <laughs> get some of them on board the ship running about on there, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is which would would have been absolutely impossible if. <laughs> He just didn't do this stupid move. And it all goes back to that stupid move in the first place of destroying the Fist of McCrag. He'd like, just be secret. Just Yeah, no, that was not, like, he didn't need to do that at all. Yeah. Really. Um, uh, so Rescuel has Antigues and Skrull trapped in this big sort of uh, temple in the ship. And 
the ultramarine sort of buys a bit of time um and Skrull throws his axe and cuts Reskiel's hand off. It's 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 a good scene. The all of this bit on the uh on the dock it's, it's, was not my favorite bit by any means. No. I, I was never quite sure what was happening. Um but Reskiel still with one hand manages to kill Antigues. Um and it's by a grenade, funnily enough. So it must have been, like, it must have been uh, gruesome irony. Uh, but Skrull uh, runs for it, basically gets away, and is basically left alone on the ship for weeks. <laughs> He's yeah. just on his own. Well, th- at this point, this becomes uh, Die Hard on a giant spaceship. Uh, yeah, with him like running around, and then it, later on, which we'll get to, it turns into a kind of Ballardian nightmare for uh, Skrull as he loses track of time and reality <laughs> aboard this ship. We we should say that um, Antigues and, and uh, Skrull were the last to get on the ship, and the ship is like, just starting to blast away. Uh, Belanos has, was fallen, but he didn't die, and Zadkiel mentions uh, to the tech adept, the person from the Mechanicum, says he will serve again. Uh, but Altis is left on the the dock to be uh well to be sort of destroyed in the wake of the the ship's flaming engines as it blasts away uh but that does not happen altis is captured by bringar yeah and bringar is just wetting his teeth at the at the idea of getting his knives stuck into him they get back to the ship and (laughs) there is a line um which is just sort of perfect Cestus's plan had failed catastrophically. More than 60% casualties were unacceptable. And you're like, yeah. (laughs) Jesus Christ, 60% casualties on this, like, no-hope bullshit mission to scupper shit with grenades. It's like, fucking hell, man. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So, like, Bringar and the Space Wolves bring back Altus to the Wrathful. And um, basically... He's as you say, he's absolutely dying to just start torturing him right away. Cestus puts up the barest of like moral resistance to that. He's like, he's like, uh, no, and he's like, no, don't do that. And he's like, all right, go on and just yeah, no, I, 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 I thought the same thing when I read it. It said Cestus had thought to intervene. The idea of torturing a fellow Legion brother abhorrent to him. Now standing at the threshold to the isolation chamber, he hasn't even gone in. He realized just how desperate their plan had come had become and that victory might call for compromise like oh okay fine and then he says do only what is necessary and do it quickly so <laughs> it's like all in the space of one line sometimes you just gotta fucking torture folk you know easy as that and then they do they uh cut him up <laughs> there's this there's this weird line that uh, I'm just going to put in here. It doesn't really fit in, but then it didn't fit in anywhere in the book either. It just felt very strange. It said, um, one of Gilliman's edicts of wisdom was that any plan, however meticulously devised, seldom survives contact with the enemy. Now, that's a real, that's a, like, I, I don't know who yeah, said yeah, that, a, but that's a, real. It was some some, like, Prussian army captain of some kind. So Gilliman is a plagiarist of, like, <laughs> of some 17th century fucking, no, 18th century Prussian general. 
and <laughs> is is like playing it off as his own against <laughs> no. him like, like fuck he, that guy like he knows he's got to give a speech to the legion he's like oh fuck i haven't prepared anything just like google's you know <laughs> inspiring <laughs> quotes uh, yeah inspiring <laughs> military <laughs> quotes <laughs> I'll go on to Instagram and just find out some <laughs> some influencers' banal statements that they they post. Right, so Cestus, who is now on board with all forms of torture, now after his his brief flirtation with stopping somebody from actually doing it, he he says he considers briefly the possibility of a traitor in their ranks aboard the Wrathful, but dismissed the thought quickly, partly because to countenance such a thing would breed only suspicion and paranoia and also because to do so would implicate the Astartes captains or Kaminska that is a weirdly backwards way of thinking about something isn't it he is the worst person to have in command of anything he's like like, I I simply can't believe that so therefore it didn't happen I can't can't accuse anyone of being a traitor because that would mean I accuse them of being a traitor I mean, he uh, is, I suppose he's what, he's, what he's, I think what he's trying to say is like the person who would have had to done the, have done this based on what they know would have had to have been one of these people, and I trust them implicitly. I think that's what it was meant to say, but it yeah. just came out as this weird like circular logic thing. So when he goes to the bridge, I think it's Kaminska asks him about the um, the word bearer prisoner, and he says he is resting uncomfortably with Bringar. He's making jokes about it now. I know. Like shit jokes. Like that's yeah. barely a joke. But yeah, it, it was at that line I thought, oh, Cestus is a monstrous. Like he's an idiot prick. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's he sort of goes on to prove himself to be that way, really. And then he says, uh, he basically, yeah, like you say, he's proven himself to be up for like any and all forms of torture from from physical to psychic he gets motep to go and like, once him to go and suck things out of his mind basically uh through which he does through kind of i think i, think it, I thought he was just going to sort of read his mind but it is a kind of torture he does isn't it he, like, well, the, yeah <laughs> that's the thing like they have a bit of a a back and forth and you think it's all going to be done on this astral plane until until Motep puts his fingers inside him. <laughs> yeah, it says, when Motep's fingers penetrated the flesh, the screaming began. <laughs> Are you like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's physical, that's not psychic. That's just against his skull as well. He's just <laughs> yeah, digging his fingers, his fingers right in into his, his head. Uh, and from like the, the, the classic, you know, glass wall that... Um, all interrogation rooms seem to have. There's Excelinor, Amrix, and uh, Cestus all looking on. And then there's this line. Excelinor and Amrix followed their captain's example, stoically bearing the signs of psychic torture, secretly glad that they were not the subject of Motep's attentions. Oh, so w- well done, guys. Well done for stoically bearing the signs of somebody else's Someone torture. Else tortured, You're yeah. all very brave heroes. I know. Um, do you know what it just occurred to me as well, right? Like, I, <laughs> I find it quite funny how, like, it's a little bit like, oh, there's a, 
there's a suspicion of sorcery around them there are a thousand suns and like he's literally like doing shit like he's got his hand in the magically of his putting his like fingers into someone's skull to sort of extract their <laughs> memories and he's like done and he goes on to do even more outlandish amazing magic stuff later on in the book um you know so it's it's just quite funny it's quite a leap from like this idea that like there's a suspicion of dabbling in the dark arts to like yeah. he's a full-blown master sorcerer <laughs> yeah there's the i i thought the second half of this book was very good but it does have the absolute best moment of all the moments in it um i don't know do you know what i mean when i say that uh i don't to be honest okay. there was a lot of i enjoyed this book on several different levels <laughs> like okay. there was a lot of really fun stupid just stupid stupid stuff that it was probably I'm, the main I'm, thing i enjoyed but so i don't I'm, know there's a lot of moments it could be for me but i'm going to ask you to enumerate each one of those levels later on but um, well, it's just two actually like <laughs> just two levels okay well it's more than one and um, i barely made it to one frankly so uh, the ship shakes a warp attack yikes they're attacked by sharks. <laughs> yeah, is, what, what was brilliant about this was like, it was like simultaneously, it's like they're they're completely they're formless. You know, they are both physical and um, part of the Empyrean. They shift, and you cannot define them. And they shift around. Also, they're sharks. Uh, they're, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, this, I thought this was absolutely terrible. Like it was, it was super boring, um, but. Is this where you had the thing that you wanted to bring up? No, I did have a, I just I had a good paragraph here. I thought it's a wee bit long, <laughs> but like um, I just thought it was funny that it started with they had eyes, lots of eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Their bodies were writhing strings of non-matter, which could take on any shape because they had no true form to begin with. But there were always eyes. They had wings too, which were also they had wings too, which were also claws of fangs and masses of pendulous blubber to keep them warm against the nuclear cold of the warp storms. They burned and shimmered with acid and shed daggers of ice from their scales. They had been born in the abyss and had in the abyss and had never been forced by the tyranny of reality into one form to stay the same from one moment to the next would have been as alien to them as the warp was to a human mind. So there's all of that, and then yeah, mm. they they. We can only assume then that they, 100% of the time, they choose the form of sharks. Because that... <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, they, they kind of like batter away. There's loads of sharks on board now. <laughs> so <laughs> Motep goes, uh, he's he's done with Ul- with Altis. He's He's got what he needs and leaves him as, as a bit of a sort of uh, husk of a, of a warrior now. But he goes down to where these warp space sharks are uh, killing everyone. And uh, there are pretty much all the rest of the space marines down there. Yeah. So this is sorry. Just to be the, how this the beginning of this right. So this is the lance deck. So like where one of their big laser cannon things is right. And how this before all the space marines have gone down, it describes the scene down there. So you've got the like the gun gangs going about maintaining stuff. Oh yeah. And, and then so it says one of the one ganger fell from his perch high up on the inner hull where he'd been aligning one of the huge mirrors. He hit the ground with a wet crump that told the gang chief that he was most certainly dead. It was a sound he'd heard many times before. The gang chief was in no hurry to see what had become of the fallen ganger. Deaths meant hassle. Uh, so anyway, basically, this this just caused me to think, like, 
this just seemed to me to tie in with the anti-bureaucracy thing. There's just, there's like, there's oh, really, yeah. there's no good health and safety regime whatsoever <laughs> on this ship. And, and like a real disregard for... Uh, yeah, for, yeah. It, like if there was some sort of safety standard, some bureaucratic safety standard, then um, maybe that ganger would have tied himself to his giant mirror and yeah. he wouldn't, he wouldn't have uh, fallen with a wet crump. Also, his chief would have probably been fired by now because he's so happy for just he just hears people dying all the time. Yeah. It's just like, oh, for fuck's sake! Oh, uh, I don't, I'm not going. If I don't acknowledge it, then <laughs> I, I I won't I won't need to deal with it. It literally says deaths meant hassled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a nuisance, crump. <laughs> so you know, maybe. But also, but also, like if um, obviously, uh, Cestus didn't want to torture somebody, but when push came to shove. He he didn't know how to say no. If you like put in place lots of good sort of processes and structures and a framework, then you don't need to make that decision because it's sort of already built into the process that you don't torture people. That's the point of having these things. Yeah. Uh, how did the warp attack end? It was Motep, wasn't it? He did he upfront use his sorcery. I think he started throwing like white spears at them or something. Oh, uh, that's right. Uh, and the uh, like, he he cut some of them in, into pieces with his like blue bolts out of his hands, and uh, he made the the whole place go red because of his magic. Yeah, yeah. So that was how it finished up. But they did the up till then the space marines were fighting them with conventional weapons and having a degree of success. And this is where I think you had mentioned that. You had made a reference to Predator in the last episode, mm-hmm. and it literally says here, one of the space marines says, if it bleeds, we can kill it. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, no, sorry, he doesn't say that exact phrase. He says, if it can bleed, he thought, we can kill it. Uh, so, okay. There you go. And then there was there were some real groan-worthy lines in here. Like, <laughs> when Bringar sees all this all these monsters kicking off. I mean, I think they kind of, they, obviously they're sharks when they're, they're mostly described as sharks when they're in space, but they kind of take different forms when they come inside the ship, but they're big monster things anyway. Um, he comes down and he sees one of these nightmare creatures and it says, he goes, here be monsters. And I was like, oh. Oh, what? Oh, God. That's really shit. Yeah. Um, so Motep really steps beyond his limits really and ends up <laughs> sort of comatose in a hospital bed and we've we've all seen that before he's got the secrets but unfortunately he's uh unconscious yeah uh bringar challenges cestus to a battle because of his seemingly acceptance of witchcraft and stuff all the astartes are watching and kaminska it says she had forbidden any other of the crew from watching the duel. The realisation that the Astartes and the fleet were turning on one, one another was a sign of the worst kind, and she had no desire to discover, it, to discover its effects upon morale if witnessed by them firsthand. That is absolutely true. And these fucking, uh, you know, elite warriors are just, like, having battles of honour in, in, like, this full-on warfare situation. It's ridiculous and she says something to one of the uh i can't remember who it was but one of the uh, space marines and he goes no this is uh this is resolution resolution will come from this 
Yeah. And uh, Cestus is basically beaten down by uh, Bringar and only wins by pick, picking up a, a broken chainsword tooth and scratching Bringar with it to draw first blood. And that is not the spirit of resolution. Like, that is not... <laughs> That is not following the spirit of the law. That is following the letter of the yeah. law. And uh, like Bringar hadn't even noticed that it happened. And there, there's Cestus in a like puddle on the ground with a, a chainsword tooth in his hands just going, nyeh, nyeh. <laughs> and it tells him that he has to yield, which forces Bringar to go and get drunk. Um, yeah. But I think yeah. I think that's skipping ahead. I think. But right, yeah, around uh, at the same time as this is going on in the same chapter, we we see Skrall, um on his yeah. own in the Furious Abyss. So he's like, he's just crawling through this huge ship. Um, so it's like a city and has hidden corners all over the place. And I thought this bit here had had a real combination of really good and really bad stuff, right? So um, anyway, as an aside. It says here the ship was being built for decades. So unless it was originally being built for the Imperium and then co-opted for the, you know, uh, word bearers to start a, you know, rebellion, um, presumably the heresy was decades in the planet. Mm. I guess that will come out in future books. Um, But uh, I've got a bunch of quotes here and there's one that just says, like gossamer threads of being jesus that is (laughs) oh yeah here's this yeah it had a presence too a kind of impalpable sentience that exuded from its steel walls and clung to its corridors and conduits like gossamer threads of being and and then talk about i've got a note to myself here just saying talk about word salad on page 62 Let's go, right. So the world eater saw chambers he could only assume were for worship with altars and rows of prayer books etched in the word of Wargar. A temple, half rotten stone and symbolically merged with deep red steel, was housed in a massive false amphitheatre, its columned front and carved pediment providing a medieval milieu. Um, what? What? You know, What's uh, a false amphitheatre? There was a bunch of that. But it was kind of an interesting bit here where um, Skrall was talking about the ultramarines and sort of criticising them. Um, he's sort of saying he likes Antigua's despite, or liked him, he's dead now obviously, but he, he's um, upset that he died because he liked him despite his views of the Ultramarines, which is that he doesn't like them because they, he says they believe them to be, he believed them to be philosophers or kings or members of the, they believe themselves rather to be philosophers or kings or members of the galaxy's rightful ruling class. And he says, and he says they did not pr- appreciate the, um, like purity of purpose they could only be found in war as his legions did and I thought this was just a little bit interesting because word bearer sorry world eaters really have been amongst a cast of pretty one dimensional characters they have been yeah. you know very very much just they like to kill um, and it was it was interesting to see a little bit of motivation uh, yeah and they, they are uh, they are said to have been slaves and yeah. um now they are obviously not slaves, but um, they're clearly dealing with that uh, heritage in everything that they do now. And the last thing they want to do is go back to being, you know, enthralled to uh, some 
king or or emperor or some kind but obviously they are to the emperor yeah um and then scrawl sort of goes into this bit where like zadkiel's voice comes out of some speaker and it's like the sort of um i'm trying to think of like a film or i think that like one that immediately i think this is a common trope but i think the one that immediately springs to mind is like the first uh of the like rocksteady batman games uh arkham asylum where like the joker's voice is just like taunting you mm-hmm. you know from like sound systems wherever you go and that's kind of what's hap- what happens here and then it's sort of um this, this bit like having been a sort of die hard scenario this really started to remind me of like stuff like i mentioned earlier stuff by jg ballard like <laughs> uh high rise and concrete island where it's like i mean it's i'm not saying it it has the potential to go in that direction if written by someone else. But just this scenario he's in where he's sort of like, um, his whole reality is just this ship and it's like, it's innards and um, it's quite a sort of unreal um, environment for someone to be spending that amount of time in and almost became a bit interesting there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It it, it became in danger of being interesting. (laughs) Uh, But... Luckily enough, it it quickly steered away from those interesting shows. Well, well, and then then Skrull reveals himself to be a massive Tory when he's like, um, he starts talking about the menials, and he's like, he sees some of the sort of menials and ship workers as he goes about, and it says, Skrull listened to their pathetic mewings as they service and maintained the ship with disgust. Such wretches! <laughs> it had taken all of his resolve not to spring out of his hiding place and butcher them all like the cattle they were. Um, <laughs> Vote for your local Tory candidate in the <laughs> upcoming election. Uh, this will will this come out? This will come out after, won't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So we so could be like, living in a sort of Tory hell. Fuck, uh, probably will be. Cunts. <laughs> <laughs> um, Motep wakes up and basically tells, gives a vision um, of McCrag and of the entire plan of the word bearers. Uh, to Cestus and this is just the MacGuffinist of the MacGuffins really it's um, whenever you don't want to write an unfolding narrative and releasing bits of information into the stream of the story you do it all via vision all at once (laughs) and that's what's done here and it's it's done quite well and it's at least quick (laughs) <laughs> and we think we said that a few times last time was that like it's not it good w- but it's done with economy <laughs> exactly it was over and then something else took its place scrawl this this bit was really bad but in a way that i really liked it was uh scrawl finds himself i think he got bored of digging around the engine rooms just by himself all the time he finds himself back in the temple where Antigues was killed and um, he sees the the chaplain uh, picking up Antigues' corpse and takes him to this like experiment stroke operating chamber and they just start dissecting Antigues' body and taking um, bits out like organs out and looking at them and Ichthalon is he is able to say Ichthalon is a joy of a character here he um, is able to say what is happening like oh uh, 
Gilliman has no idea about what's <laughs> what's going on. We have him completely by surprise. Takes out another organ and inspects it and rubs his hand all over it. He goes, Calth, they're all at Calth. They don't have a clue what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah. He just like it, spreads them out on the table and then reads them all to work out exactly what's going on. Exactly what's going on. Exactly what's going on to the point where he looks at one and just goes, we're not alone. <laughs> 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 So <laughs> the organ showed him that Skrull was like up in the rafters looking at them or something. It just seemed like so stupid. Like <laughs> I know. Um, like they, they can tell everything from like sort of big overarching like shifts in allegiance or whatever or like movements of huge forces uh, in the in the galaxy to like literally like sensing that someone's in the room you know what i mean yeah it's like, but but the people whose job it is to send messages have to do it in like a, a cunningly archaic way <laughs> <laughs> like have to do it through like pictures and feelings but then all this guy needs to do is look at a uh, butchered organ and he can see the entire situation uh you could say that shit it is but in a very very good way yeah th- i mean that sums up a lot of what i felt about this book because like a lot of it was shit but I kind of enjoyed pretty much most of it. <laughs> like, um, well, this is about the point where Bringar, as you said, he got he starts he gets drunk on a lot of mead, yeah, um, and he starts having sort of existential malaise. And <laughs> <laughs> don't think he'd use the word malaise, no, <laughs> or existential, <laughs> no. But uh, he he starts sort of having visions of um, his home world. I think and sort of icy landscapes and things where he went through trials when he was on his way to becoming a space wolf or whatever um, and it's like there's stuff here where it sort of almost it kind of suggests that like Bringard doesn't start following chaos but it kind of suggests that he's being his mind is being manipulated or accessed by um you know uh, intelligences mm. of the warp or whatever i didn't think this right I thought, I mean, you're right. It, it that, that is what it is. But I didn't think this at the time. I I thought it was because the these have happened before, like the visions and and like remembrances back to before they were uh, Astartes and back to like everyone has gone through some stupid trial or other. And I just thought this was par for the course. Um. So when I when I learned later on that it is actually. Uh, warp spawn i was quite surprised because i i actually when i read this first time i thought he was going to turn fully bad oh, like okay uh, and i kind of thought this was going to be like at the point it was going to going to be look like it could have turned out differently like the space wolves could have gone to chaos had things you know they had that potential and and he did you know in this story but obviously they don't in the grand scheme of things but i thought it was and it was going to maybe show like scrawl the world eater he you know his legion turns to chaos but that he wouldn't have i thought it was maybe trying to actually show you know occasionally space marines could have some individuality in terms of their <laughs> their sort of moral choices and whatnot but like um but yeah. i don't think i don't think that was really the point of it but i thought he was going to turn evil but um anyway uh he's let's let's me or sorry do you want to talk more about his no, no. vision no, no, no. uh well let's meet corferon on oh. for the first time on the Infidus Imperator, 
Now I, I, there's a bit coming up which may be the thing you said was really good. Cause it's... Okay. <laughs> oh, no, I know what bit it is, but <laughs> it's it's even better than that. It's even better than that, but I guarantee you it is the same thing because it is so stupid and so wholly counterproductive. Anyway, we'll get to it. Um, Corferon is angry. He says Zadkiel's late. Um, He sends for uh, some creature or other and says that um, to use the... uh, bind psychics that they have to throw a warp storm in in the way of the the wrathful to slow them down uh why exactly why he uses the supplicants to do that or how or whatever doesn't matter but we do meet some hangers on some of the other captains of the different groups and is it danos that you're you're thinking (laughs) of of course it is of course it is i'll let you take this one (laughs) So I'll just I'll, <laughs> I'll just describe. I mean, and there's more. The description is funny in its own right, but there's more to this, right? Um, so, Danos, I think I don't know, D E I N O S, Danos, master of the burning hand chapter, step forwards. Warger shows Admiral Zadkiel all honor. He said, in keeping with the name of his chapter. Danos's gauntlets were permanently wreathed in flames from <laughs> gas jets built into his vambrace. <laughs> Master of the burning hand chapter. <laughs> it's so like, it's like a WWE entrance, you know what I mean? It's like, it's that sort of... <laughs> Just think that, like, how counterproductive it is that everything you touch, you set on fire. <laughs> think about the slapstick potential of this when you consider... The following description of Corferon's uh, garb. Um, so Corferon is covered in bits of parchment. It says <laughs> <laughs> the tenets of the word were. It says etched. I mean, there's ostensibly is used wrongly on more than one occasion in this book, but um, that's another <laughs> issue, right? We're etched across every surface of Corferon's armor in the Epistle of Warger. And then it says, Parchments unfurled like ragged, script-ridden pennants from studded pauldrons, seals and scraps of vellum covering his leg greaves like patchwork. And there's a guy with flame hands uh, walking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with blokes with, like, pieces of animal skin he's like, <laughs> just like, like Corferon's raging about like Zadkiel messing up his mission and like Danos is like taps him on the shoulder it's alright mate <laughs> like fuck <laughs> all, his, all his parchments all his parchments just go up turn into pork scratchings all around his face <laughs> you're like that was the word of Warger um, <laughs> now it's a, a, a tasty chew um, <laughs> he just throws him to his dog in the corner <laughs> Um, yeah, I did love that bit, but my, the bit that I wrote down is better than that. Oh, good, good. Yeah. So they throw a warp storm in the path of the Wrathful, which causes, uh, I guess they kind of uh, causes a bit of like hell hell to be on the ship. Yeah. Is that fair? Uh, yeah. um, Cestus's plan is, uh, it does nothing of use. He just says, <laughs> we'll drive through it. Uh, but but not any faster. He doesn't say to like <laughs> go faster. He just says, you know, continue doing as we're doing. Motep takes a trip out into the warp in his mind somehow for some reason. I I didn't know why. Did you? 
get this. Uh, go on. I, I can't remember what. I mean, there's various things he, like he, this that happen. He, so. he has a vision of his planet burning and the howling of wolves and his legion bowing down to the word bearers and a, a malevolent presence. But then the whole bit is meant to be that's full of malevolent presences. But yeah, no, that and that's it. He uh, he goes back to his body and sort of shakes it out. Just goes woof. That's it. I mean, uh, why he did it, I'm not absolutely sure. But it doesn't really matter because almost instantly they're through the storm. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was utter rubbish. Um, we are through the storm, she said, similarly breathless. Your plan was successful, she said to Cestus. <laughs> Cestus's plan of I, I think that's her being like really sort of belligerently <laughs> sarcastic <laughs> just just like going over rubbing him on his head giving him big pats on the back well done that pun was really great it was really useful especially as like people were like people were like losing their sanity and shooting each other and yeah just tearing themselves apart and all sorts of stuff um in around the ship and she's like she's like slow hand clap (laughs) (laughs) at which point cestus goes okay we've got through that hell on earth hell on ship moment everyone back into the conference chamber i've got some i've got (laughs) i've got a presentation put together that I, i need i need to bring you up to date on the plan that the word bearers have for um What's the moon called? Formica? What's it? Anyway, uh, wait, I don't think we've even explained the plan yet. Um, <laughs> the the plan is to bombard the moon by McCrag with cyclonic torpedoes, which will destroy it, and it will rain down on the surface of McCrag. Um, That's not that won't destroy it though, but it will somehow allow them to get close. I think it it was that was going to like mess up the the fleet that defends mccrag right which was then going to allow them to get in close and fire the same or something similar to the virus bombs that were used on oh god uh you know that planet it's fun yeah that's it um uh i think that was the plan there's also something like i got a bit mixed up with calth and mccrag these are just two different planets in the the in ultramar the ultramarines sort of realm and uh Kalth is where Corferon is was getting ready to attack, um, and that somehow tied in with this plan. Um, but yeah, so their plan is to blow up a moon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the point of the book where everything just starts clicking along really nicely. I thought the, the everything that has just come before, I thought was kind of boring. I didn't like it. Uh, now everything clips along really well and stuff actually starts happening. So they both come out of the warp. They're at McCrag and uh, the wrath, the furious abyss starts like coming around to aim its weapons at uh, the the moon. So literally seconds away, but yet somehow about three hours worth of book after this, the wrathful appears guns blazing starts firing but is just almost almost destroyed but uh, it's kind of left dead in space um but it has fired about 15 launching vessels 
that are too close for uh, the Furious Abyss to really easily destroy with its big weapons. So it has to take like uh, pot shots at it with flat cannons, basically. And yeah, so so yeah, they sort of tried to distract it by firing guns from the main ship, while these uh, smaller ships that had yeah, they're just like a boarding craft, really. They're they're not really their own spacecraft, and yeah. they plan they plan to enter via the uh, missile tubes that are to fire the cyclonic torpedoes, and most of them are destroyed, um, except the ones with the Astartes on it. Thank heavens. Well, some some of the Astartes are killed. That some are, of them are that aren't really characters in the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some of the names we haven't mentioned because we forgot them <laughs> are killed, but like, who cares? And <laughs> they basically a whole sort of boarding scene happens. It's it's all a bit confused, and I didn't really understand it until Cestus finds himself on the gun deck, which is quite happy. Um, but there, there's a line that says his super advanced mind skipping ahead to the tactical tasks to come. <laughs> Cestus almost missed the scarred faced officer flying at him with a power mace. <laughs> I know, I, I what know a super that. advanced mind. <laughs> Just can't even see the thing in front of him. <laughs> Jeez, like, no, that's like a really like shit excuse that he would give for messing someone up in a mission to his like boss. Be like, yeah, I was like, playing four dimensional chess. He'd be like, in many ways, my strategic thinking is too advanced, <laughs> and that's why I made the mistake. <laughs> exactly, and that's why I forgot the rules of chess. <laughs> Zadkiel knows somehow that they'll go for the payload of uh, cyclonic torpedoes. Don't know why, but he knows that that's their plan. He calls for Rescue to uh, stop the hunt for Skrull. I'd forgotten that was still going on. And sends them to the gun decks. But he also sends out the rest of his supplicants that he had used previously to like screw with the fighter pilots. Um, he says, use those all up. Use those psychers up. We don't need them anymore. Um, they kind of bring their own warp storm, almost. They... they sort of screw with everyone's brains in a, a certain area yeah because i think so they all each of the the space marine characters kind of experience their own personal version of this but uh, for cestus he does this goes through this bit that reminded me strangely of bill and ted's bogus journey <laughs> when, when, like um when they go into like hell and heaven and stuff like that in that film but he goes through like he talks about there being some kind of piece of mythology on the ultramarines in the planet or the culture that they emerged from that's to do with like 10 circles of hell i think as it talks about the ultramarines emerged out of like battle kings of mccrag or something and they had these 10 circles of hell that were for different um it's the divine comedy yeah um, i thought i thought you were going to say that i thought this actually reminded me of the divine comedy <laughs> no i mean it did obviously but i just mean like no <laughs> you would you don't need to say that yeah yeah. Uh, but like uh he there's like a, a sort of voice a character like i can't remember what he calls him like a taskmaster master yeah. i think in this vision that he's having that's like in these various circles it's saying like oh you are uh rebel because you did this and this and this or whatever and like he's like no i'm not basically every time and that sort of sees him through 
Yeah, I, I don't know whether we want to go through all the different circles that he goes through, but somehow progressing through them brings him out of his uh, out of this hellish, uh, psycho-induced madness somehow. Uh, but all of the all of our characters are going through their own sort of strange uh version of it motep is on the wreckage of the the wrathful and he finds isoric on board with yeah. yeah. um who is in the uh flight mistress i think she's called um uh, and she turns into a huge black bulbous many-eyed demon thing and it says that it has been the source of all the bad blood on the ship and it, like you mentioned earlier before, I think is the, the source of uh, Bringar's weird yeah. visions. And you can say what you like about Motet, but he he's probably the MVP for the Space Marines in this book. Like he does some, uh, he managed to kind of fight this demon. Um, yeah, he's he's, Skrull he, is good as well, though. That's true, yeah. Um, I mean, the two, like, yeah, they're obviously horrible, of course, in their own yeah, way, oh, yeah, but yeah. like they're... Um, they he manages to deal with this demon kill kill, dies in the process but he basically manages to uh take out wasoric or wasoric with my favorite bit in the whole thing and it's this sorry just had the cough there it's not really a quote because i haven't got it written down but uh, he uh is like being assailed by this psychic force and he's just being battered on all sides and <laughs> Motep sort of croaks out, knowledge is power. <laughs> At which point he unleashes his eye lasers. <laughs> <laughs> which burn three. <laughs> which yeah. sets the demon on fire. <laughs> and I... I <laughs> I've just been thinking, like, that slightly banal phrase that us library people use every now and again. I don't think that's what it means. But but if it does, y'all have been keeping, like, a really, really, like, awesome secret from me. I know. I have a note saying there's a lot of action movie one-liners in this book, most bad, but that one is not bad. That's really good. I I just thought the 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 switch was instantaneous. It was um, knowledge is power. Pa pam. <laughs> His Superman eye beams just sh- sh- shoot out. I have to. Say, I was just laughing so hard at that. Oh, I just think what. What a great fight! No, the, I think that fight was really actually boring. Um, I didn't yeah, care it was, for it. It was hard to know exactly what was going on at some points, but like this, this bit, right? I've highlighted, I've had highlighted a couple of um, lines earlier that I just thought were so deadpan it was almost like deliberately funny. But like uh, this sort of, I, I for me topped a lot, right? So this is a quote from this fight. It's, it's describing from Motep's perspective. As he regarded the collapsed ceiling, the wreckage of two decks punctuated by a few intact support stanchions and columns still smouldering, Motep came to realise that he was the last living being in the command deck, so he's been like knocked down when they were fighting up above somewhere. The Thousand Sun had lost sight of the demon when he'd been smashed through the deck and landed in the chamber below. Wasoric could be anywhere, 
He tasted blood in his mouth and knew the fused carapace of his ribs was broken. His breathing was ragged, which indicated a punctured lung and his shoulder burned. In truth, the fight was not going as he'd hoped. (laughs) (laughs) He admitted it to himself at that point. (laughs) I've got this line. I've just looked up the line. Should I read it? Go, go. Knowledge. Hissed Motep through clenched teeth. Is power. <laughs> Twin beams of light seared from his eyes, burning his Sorik's face and torso. <laughs> it's it's rabid that line. It's fucking insane. See, like when like when you just heard that story, I th- like when you said oh, I found the line, I was like a little bit worried. I was like, oh maybe hopefully Neil's not like overplayed this a little bit in his memory, you know. <laughs> So they're all having these visions. We've we've gone through Moteps, we've done Cestus. Bringar has one and it is barely a metaphor. Like it is it's hopeless. Um he's back on uh Fenris, his home planet, and he's attacked by wolves. I should we should say um his boarding group are him and his uh blood claws, I think they're called, his uh, fellow space wolves. Um, he's attacked in the vision by wolves and he uh, kills them all and rips out their throat with his teeth. And then he comes to and finds that he's killed his uh, space marine brothers. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, if you're going to use like metaphor like that, then just do something interesting. It was, <laughs> it was just like, I, I knew what it was when I was reading it. So don't explain it afterwards, and, but and like, they they feel the need to explain it afterwards as well. But he like he he sort of snaps out of it, and when he snaps out of it, he fully snaps out of it. Like he's not. I mean, this is sort of like like this could be part of someone's turning, getting corrupted by the chaos gods. But they kind of they are putting these visions in his head. But if you see what I mean, it's different than when like some of the 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 space marines that go full chaos when they sort of buy into yeah. completely he just sort of they make him or they give him visions that then lead to him doing these things but they don't he's he's not sort of but and like i say i kind of thought maybe before this point he was going to be um turning chaos in a way but i guess it kind of does show the potential for that still in this scene with him being made to kill them but he instantly kind of snaps out of it mm. Uh, and he is in uh, an armory and uh, has a pretty good fight with uh, Belanos's corpse that is now in a dreadnought. Yeah, but the dreadnought's not like finished yet. So, yeah, the the bonding process has not quite gone through properly yet. So, uh, Bringar manages to sort of MacGyver him out of the dreadnought uh, carapace thing. And Skrull arrives and puts a few rounds in him, and it's all done. Yeah, that doesn't quite describe the, the battle itself, but the battle was good. That's all I think I would say. And then Cestus at the after he's gone through all of his visions of the circles of hell and stuff, he finds himself in a different part of the ship um, than where he was to begin with, um, and he meets up with Skrull and Bringar. 
I yep. can't remember exactly how that happens, but it does. Well, yeah, from, from this point on, it's pretty plain sailing. Like, it all kind of goes... <laughs> it really all does go according to plan from this point on. Yeah, so they, they find that they're they're now quite far away from the uh, the psychonic missiles that there was their original target that they were going to throw their grenades on. But it's fine because they can now just go to the center of the ship and blow the whole ship up. No problem. With some grenades. Um, exactly. <laughs> so they get to there, and just before they're about to do that, uh, Zadkiel's decided to take matters into his own hands, um, despite this book suggesting that's the worst thing he could do. Uh, <laughs> um, and he goes down there with his, uh, with some other word bearers, and they get into a fight. They're kind of shooting them from up on a gantry, and Skrull rushes at them. Cestus is about to go and blow himself up to take out the core of the ship and set off a chain reaction to destroy the whole ship. But uh, Bringar punches him in the face and <laughs> yeah. says he's doing it instead. Um, and goes in suicide, suicide bombs the ship. Yeah, he he like jumps off or whatever with all these grenades. It blows up. And, uh, but Cestus kind of gets out of there. Skrull dies fighting Zadkiel. Zadkiel realizes the game's up and he heads for the escape pods or whatever. Cestus knows he'll find him there and he does and they have a just a one on one decent fight. Fight. Decent sword fight, I thought. Yep. And obviously Cestus kills him. But he sort of gets killed in the process. <laughs> Mortally wounded, thank God. But job done the ship's job blowing, done. blowing up. Yep. And it ends with a little quote from the Book of Warger. This yeah, f- fictional book, yes, <laughs> the word of Warger, sorry, um, which didn't really add anything to the experience. Not, not at all. Just explained why they were doing it, which I suppose is good. But um, I didn't even really, I didn't read anything into it. I thought it was a bunch of like stuff, you know, just a bunch of general. Yeah, well, ju- ju- just that um, that their sort of overarching ambition is to completely merge the material world with the warp. And when that happens, oh, yeah. Yeah. their uh, like imagination will be made real, and yeah. that and it sounds all right, I suppose. But uh, Corferon um, learns that somehow uh, Zadkiel's fucked it up, and uh, he goes, "Well, we're still attacking Kalth, everyone. It's just going to be a lot harder." Uh, were, did you know why um, it was going to be harder to attack Kalth? Like why? I suppose, like the destruction of McCrag would be like a a body blow, you know, like a morale defeating thing. I suppose yeah. is what their the, yeah. their plan is. But, but no, there's. I'm sure there was something more to the, than that. I'm sure. I'm like I was getting mixed up between Kalth and McCrag in the course of this book, but I'm sure there was some part beyond just like it stopping there being reinforcements or you know and mm-hmm. we're in morale and stuff i'm sure there was somehow the two things were tied in but anyway like at this point he's um yeah he says it's going to be a proper fight now uh when we get to cal so that's obviously going to be something they go into in a later book uh so basically basically all the characters from this book are dead yeah thank god um <laughs> i i don't want any more of them um ben counters let himself down in my eyes um this was all over the place um, it was all over the place and i really enjoyed it i've got to say <laughs> like 
Um, I I think I enjoyed it less, but I did I did enjoy parts of it, most of it, let's say. Like it was, like we've discussed this before we even started this book. I had low expectations because I hadn't enjoyed this book the first time around. I think I gave it up because I had thought Abyss meant um, Battle for the Abyss. I thought was referring to like actually a battle for the whole of space or something you know what i mean something really huge and epic and when i found out it was just kind of focusing around this one ship i thought oh, that's kind of disappointing um but knowing that going into the second time round, it was just like much more bonkers than like i was <laughs> expecting basically you know what i mean it was just uh especially in that second half um but some of it was like some of the entertainment value like you know was just things being really badly written and needing further editing and just like these some of the funny lines we talked about yeah but there, but there was some bits that i like like the scene where they're flying at high speed in these little crafts from the wrathful to the into the like torpedo tubes of the, the furious abyss i like that was like quite an exciting scene it was like you know like films like i don't know starship trooper or things like that when when troops are going down in, in things and they're just bracing for the battle mm. and stuff like that. There were some bits out there that were like it wasn't I mean, there were there were it wasn't without redeeming qualities the writing of this book. It just uh, had loads of really clunky but sometimes really entertaining moments in it and could have definitely done with an editorial tidy up because like there's bits where just words were used in a weird way or, or, or phrases were repeated in the way that sometimes happens when you're writing you know like it's almost like something's oh, sure. fresh in the, in your mind and then like you realize you write it again like just a few lines down like the same phrase oh, totally like uh, totally we, you do that in this just felt like it hadn't even reached a first draft you know like it was all it was the sketched outline yeah of what was going to happen and uh i'll go back and sort of put it into a first draft and then we'll see what works and what doesn't. And if we need to cut bits out and reorder stuff and rewrite other bits and stuff, it just felt like it it wasn't given enough opportunity to be something better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and What's the next book though? Oh, sorry. Well, were you? No, no, to... no, no, no. That was pretty much that was pretty much it. The next book, I think it's Mechanicum, which I haven't read. Interesting. I I. I am interested to know a little bit more about that. Uh, presumably that will be how the Mechanicum makes its choice in, you know, who follows the Emperor and who follows uh, Horus. Yeah, I, I'm guessing that's what it'll be about, because obviously that's referred to here at the, straight the start yeah. of the book when when we're seeing the ship um, being launched and it talks about the Mechanicum there and obviously they've built this ship and they have sided with Horus. So I think, yeah, I, I'm, I imagine that's what the story's going to be about. But it, it does allow for the possibility of, like, outrageous techno babble, Because <laughs> yeah. whenever a, mechanic, a member of the Mechanicum appears, there are, there's all, like, mechadendrites is a, a term that's mentioned a lot, and I don't know what those are, but I just have to, like, assume they're, like, robot fingers, almost. Um so oh, there's yeah. there's going to be a lot of that shit and a, a lot of yeah i'm sorry i was just gonna say on a similar note there was some more discussion of like the space marine anatomy in this book that 
Oh, yeah. Referred or weirdly named organs. <laughs> Reminded me of something you'd highlighted in a previous book, the Susan membrane. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that should be fun. Cool. Well, uh, again, thanks for listening, everyone. We really appreciate it. Um, it's been quite a year for starting a podcast. Uh, but but uh, it's really appreciated uh, that you're listening. It's really appreciated when you get in touch. Uh, we love all of that. Um, it'd be really great if you told uh, people that you listen um, and write reviews and whatever, all that kind of good stuff. But um, So if anybody has any suggestions for uh, books to read or any uh, of the surrounding media that comes out of it... Um, that comes out of black library then get in touch let us know and we'll probably do it it's all good um do you have any other point you wanted to raise well well we haven't mentioned our christmas special oh yes um, which is coming out well probably on monday the 23rd do we think or or maybe yeah, tuesday the 24th that's that's far enough in advance that i think we should be able to make that whatever whatever yeah. happens so this you you should be hearing this on either this monday the 16th or sometime after uh, and hopefully the christmas special will be coming out on the 23rd or 24th probably 23rd um yeah and i mean some of these discussions we're literally just having here on air for the first time so, yeah um, i i know i'm almost going christmas special superb let's do that <laughs> um but uh are we gonna we were talking about having an end of year roundup uh i mean this is i'm almost talking just to you neil and not actually on the podcast here but um we were talking about the possibility of doing that do you want to do that or do you want to just keep on the normal schedule I, I, this this book was so all over the place that i, I it kind of left me just going like oh, fuck these things yeah uh and i would like a break yeah, from me too i would like to be able to read some other stuff like, well I, like i have i've read a brilliant book recently uh, called the um, this isn't a book recommendation podcast we'll do this off the air uh, I'll cut this bit out too uh, yes so uh, bonus episode I think it's a good idea so that'll come out for Christmas so whenever you don't want to talk to your families on Christmas day or whatever uh, celebration that you have at this time of year or none uh, <laughs> families are year round and you never want to talk to them uh, you can put on our weirdo voices and uh, listen to that uh, in place of your loved ones um, so that'll be good thanks for listening everybody until next time goodbye see ya.